I am your host, Jessica Martinez, and you are listening to The Pumping Podcast. My guest this week is just one of the strongest women I know. Her name is Shayna Kanza. This episode takes you through her journey into motherhood that was much, much faster than she expected. After getting diagnosed with a life-threatening syndrome at just 30 weeks and only about 90 minutes to spare, she went into emergency surgery and her tiny angel was born. It's just miraculous. This is a story of strength and undying love, and I just know it will touch your heart. Heads up, as you can probably tell, this episode does get quite emotional, so if your hormones are raging at the moment, you may want to go grab a few tissues. But if you got your tissues in hand, keep on listening. Hey, Shana, thank you so much for joining me. I am... I'm really excited, but I'm not going to lie. I'm a little intimidated uh, to talk about your story. <laughs> so you're going to have to help me through this. <laughs> I don't want to scare anybody. It's a, it's a happy ending. Yeah, exactly. We can, we can put that out on the, on the table so everyone knows it's a happy ending. Yes. Um, before we dive in, I would just, well, first of all, we're obviously not sitting in the same room together. So will you just tell our listeners, where are you joining us from? I'm in Long Island, New York. And that's where you live? Yes. Awesome. Um, and you're in your wonderful little home that you've set up there. <laughs> yes, I'm sitting on my couch with my dog and I my love husband. That. I love that. Sometimes it's nice for listeners to just get an idea of, you know, where you are. My one, my first guest, actually, we didn't share it. I sh- didn't think of it at the time, but she was actually sitting in her nursing chair. So I, th- I just think it's kind of cool to share. Yeah, for sure. Um, so take us back if you don't mind. I like to kind of go back in time before we move into all the details. Tell us what life was like before baby and kind of what was your general routine? Um, okay. Uh, so before, right before I had my daughter, I had just moved, um, I had moved out to Long Island to join my then boyfriend, now husband, um, and his kids out here. Um, I commuted into Manhattan every day for work. Um, I'm an attorney and a public defender. Yeah. You also have, I remember this, you have a really cool job. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, in all honesty, I left that job last summer and now I I have a super not cool job, but I could still talk about that job. Um, Yes. A very cool job uh, as a public defender, which is still um, alive and well in my heart. So uh, my husband works there too at the same office as I did. So life was, we commuted into work together and um, had our our work day and then came back home. to uh, older kids and now they're 14 and 16. So at that point they were 10 and 12 and the doggy. And so, um, yeah, I, you know, actually we got engaged, um, in May of 2015 and three days later I found out I was pregnant. Oh my goodness. Really? (laughs) surprise. Um, I want to ask to, um, if I can just butt in and then we'll go back to where you're, you left off. But so your husband had older kids, obviously. So was it always in your plan and both of your plans to have a child or was this a total surprise? Um, 
Well, it, it wasn't until um, then one day it was. I, I, I guess that story of a person who really didn't have a plan to be a mom at all. Um, and then one day I wanted to be. Yeah. <laughs> so it was really just it was kind of that simple. And, um, I was, I'm lucky enough to get pregnant right away. Um, and we, we just felt like we weren't getting any younger. And so there was, and again, we had the older kids, so we didn't want them to be, you know, too terribly old, um, to have another baby come in. And so we just said, all right, well, let's go for it. And, we had planned to get engaged, but we just hadn't yet. And it all really just happened at the same time, which is great. Wow. <laughs> sort of overwhelming. <laughs> Did you speed up your marrying your marriage at all or anything? Or I, mean, I guess not really. Um, we always we wanted to get married in the fall. This was in May. Um oh, okay. So that's all right. Yeah. I mean, so it was one of those, we didn't have a big wedding. It was, um, out at a friend's bar in Southampton and it was like a hundred people and it was fantastic and the best weekend ever, but it was never going to be some huge like thing that took a year of planning. So perfect. But yeah, I mean, so it was kind of, like I said, all happened at the same time. We also bought a house in the middle there in August and moved. Um, Yeah, that was a big year. (laughs) It was a big six months. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. So, and, and actually when I was pregnant, um, I was due January 28th. So, and we were getting married in October. So my plan was really actually not to focus on the pregnancy until after the wedding. Yeah. Um, and so I, I did have a pretty uneventful, you know, first part of my pregnancy. So I, that did happen. And when we got married, you know, we, we had just focused on that until October. And then, um, we went on like a honeymoon, baby moon, like, two, three weeks later. And that's when I started to get sick. So that's when the story changes a bit. So just to kind of give everybody a little warning heads up, um, some of the story might, might be a lot for some, for some people. Um, Shana did go through a lot personally and then with her baby. So this is just a little warning, but once again, she is safe. The baby is safe and healthy or girl. Now she's, she's grown up little, little thing. Yes. Does she know? She's, she'll be four in November. Yeah. yeah. So she's a healthy little four-year-old, but um, just want to give you a heads up. So you said your pregnancy in the beginning part was, now that was uh, how many months then was pretty smooth sailing? Four months? Um, Five, uh, like almost six months. So I was uh, about 28 weeks, 27 to 28 weeks when I started having some complications. So it was, when I mean, it was uneventful. I was truly uneventful up until the day it was not. So, and if you can just take, so I'm going to let you really guide this because I did some research that you helped me find and all of that, but I don't want to say anything incorrectly. And then I'll just butt in with some questions, but take us through the first symptoms and just what that whole process was like for you. Sure. Um, so I guess, I mean, just, just kind of as a preview, I, I developed a, a syndrome called HELP. It's uh, spelled H-E-L-L-P. Um, and it's kind of an ironic. Um, it truly is. Yeah. It's, it's really a hel- helpless. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
and maybe that'll be a title of your of this episode. Um, yes, <laughs> but, <gasps> it is. <laughs> there you go. Um, but anyway, uh, I I developed this syndrome. It happens in about 0.6 pregnancies, so less than one percent. Um, My goodness, it's relatively um, sort of newly diagnosed in the 80s, um, and it is related to preeclampsia and eclampsia, um, which is um, an elevated blood pressure uh, dangerously. I I did read that. And one of the questions that I had for you right off the bat when I was reading that is, did you ever have high blood pressure normally without pregnancy? Never. Literally never. And Uh, do you mind, if you don't want to share, that's fine. But do you mind sharing your age at pregnancy? Yeah, I was. So I was 34. Yeah. See, so I even read that age can have something to do with it, but 34 is not old. I mean, you know, in baby body land, it's like, it's like getting there, which is really outrageous, well, but I know, I mean, I actually have a friend that had told me at 36, yeah. she was considered, um, geriatric. Yes. Geriatric. <laughs> which is just uh, absurd, but you know, you wouldn't think 34 would, you know, okay. So within yes. the Somewhat normal age range, no high blood pressure in the past. Okay. Yes. No. In fact, it was almost low, you know, always yeah. my life. Um, and, and so, um, right. So it's, it's, they think it's related to preeclampsia, but they're two separate things. Preeclampsia really just has to do with your blood pressure. Um, and help is it's, it's three characteristics. It's, um, hemolysis, which is like the breakdown of your red blood cells, which just as a reminder to like fifth grade, you know, science like carries oxygen to the rest of your body. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that basically stops working. Um, it's an elevated liver enzyme count, which in the end could possibly make your liver explode. And then it's um, a low platelet count and um, a so normal bleed out probably. Correct. Yeah. So no blood clotting. Right. So um so, right. So this is what I developed, but the thing that I guess I, I do at first want people to know is it's not like one of those things you read about in what to expect. No, I've never heard of this ever. Right. And you may never, ever meet another person that has it, but, um, it's a thing <laughs> that happens to well, me. And I guess the, the benefit to that is, you know, we can't all walk in, walk around being, obsessed about all of the crazy things that can happen because I'm sure there are a ton that we will never know about, but it's so scary when that happens. And then you have a whole nother book to pick up, you know? Yeah. And so, um, the symptoms of this, this syndrome are much like what normally happens in pregnancy as in it's like bloating. Um, but it turns out it's severe. Uh, it's like, chest pains, which you think is gas and, or like a foot, like a baby foot in right. your, you know, rib, or, um, there's, uh, some nausea and, you know, that's par for the course. Um, uh, some people have headaches, but I didn't have that. Um, and so it's, it, so for my first couple of weeks, I was on vacation for my honeymoon. And like, when you looked at the pictures, my face was really swollen And about a week before that, I literally woke up one day and my shoes didn't fit. And I know they say that happens in pregnancy, but this literally happened to me one morning, my shoes didn't fit. Mm. 
and they had like they had swollen and my wedding ring that I had just put on I I had to take off I had to buy not one but two sizes like I bought two other wedding rings over the past over like two weeks um and and so I had really swollen um and I I I will just say I didn't go to the doctor this was now like the first week in November and I had a regularly scheduled appointment on November 19th. And I really just thought these are sort of things that happen. My family members and anyone that I talked to that's ever been pregnant said, Oh yeah, you know, you get bloated. Oh yeah. That foot in your rib, like, you know, um, and so, uh, November 19th was a Thursday that Monday I was sick and I, vomiting and I didn't go to work. And then all through the week, basically Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, I, it got worse at night, which now I know is a symptom of this syndrome, but it was like a very sharp pain in my chest, but like the right side of my chest, which turns out to have been my liver. Um, and then like just a, an overwhelming sense of like anxiety and I'm not just in your head, like in your body, mm. like my whole body was tense and I just had to be in the hot shower. And I spent like those three or four nights just like in the shower in the middle of the night, like crying, hoping that, you know, things were going to turn out. You, I can't believe you lasted three nights. Well, and that's really... It, well, it's stupid because I guess my message to people also is if you feel that way, call your doctor because it's really like being tough in that situation. I, I'm pretty tough. I mean, I guess I, you know, I don't complain about pain very much ever. Um, and, you know, I just thought that this was what it was. It, it well, was and I think the other key to it that it sounds is it's one thing to have a little pain from a kick. It's one thing to on another time, maybe feel a little nauseous, but you seemed to have all of them all at once really intense. And so maybe that was the thing. Yeah. Well, and it's, yeah. And it turns out that it was, and, um, you know, the, I, I guess that Thursday when I had my appointment, I woke up that morning and I, I, I will say, I, I want to back up for a second. Um, you know, I did read the the books, um, you know, what to expect. And I, you know, had the little app that told me how, what kind of fruit size it was yeah. every week and all of that. And um, I remember reading and I, I talked to my husband about the fact that once the baby was 24 weeks old, it was viable in the sense that if something happened, you know, medically, like they, you can save a baby after 24 weeks, um, gestation. So we had like a whole conversation about that. I will also say that I had moved out to Long Island at that point, as I mentioned, and I was pregnant, but my OBGYN was still in the city. Mm. Um, and that's Manhattan. And I, um, I decided to stay with them rather than come out here and, and sort of transfer. Right. Um, because I'd been with them like 15 years. Um, and I wanted to deliver at Mount Sinai in the city. And part of the reason for that is because I had read in one of the books to look at the NICUs in the hospitals where you're going to deliver. And that's another sort of message I have that's maybe, I guess, the biggest one. Um, because a lot of hospitals, 
either don't have a NICU or have a NICU that is sort of a lower grade so that if something really is an emergency with your baby, they have to transfer your baby. And there's tons of stories about women delivering in a hospital prematurely and or in an emergency situation and having their babies have to be transported to another hospital. Yeah, that's scary. It's scary. A lot of times babies lose oxygen in the transfer and they can get cerebral palsy, which is exactly what happened to my absolutely next door neighbor. Oh my Um, gosh, really? That exact story. Um, But it happens, you know, fairly commonly. Um, And so I said to my husband, um, I want to be in I want to be in the city. If anything, if she needs anything, I want to be at Mount Sinai. We're not transferring, you know, we're not right. transferring. Right. So this was also like a little foreshadowing that's like super creepy. Um, yeah. The fact that you even, you clearly read it, it, but it somehow sunk in and then you to even have the conversation about that. It's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so this day that I had this appointment, I went into the city I told my husband, like, I need you to take off work and come. And I will tell you, I knew, I knew leaving the house that I wasn't coming home. Like, Mm -hmm. I I just knew deep down. I just knew it. It wasn't right, you know. And I and I also knew I was thirty weeks pregnant. I knew that, you know, the baby was certainly viable, and I, I didn't really know much about you know, the rest of it, but I could tell you, I know I wasn't coming home. Right. Um, and you and were so, okay at that point, if you needed to, to say, take the baby out, we'll figure it out. You know, if, if that, I want to say I was educated enough to know that that was going to be safe, safe. Yeah. Yeah. Ish is the guy. Exactly. Right. Um, uh, and I just really had no concept of what was happening to me, nor did I care, but right. <laughs> yeah, I should have. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Um, yeah. So we left the house and um, we went to, uh, actually, I should say that morning I woke up, I went to the bathroom and the whole toilet was blood. Oh my God. Um, and I thought maybe I had a really bad UTI because it was like that kind of blood, like pea blood. Right. And I was like, oh, maybe it's just a bad UTI and that's what this is. And I'll go to the doctor and, you know, maybe that'll be what the thing is. Um, And so when I got to the doctor, you know, you wait in the waiting room and I walked in and like the receptionist just looked at me and just said, come, come, you know, come in. And I said, oh, do you want a urine sample? And she's like, can you give us a urine sample? I said, okay. So I went into the bathroom there and it was literally blood. And I mean, blood, you know, nothing, almost nothing else. Wow. Um, and so, you know, I was scared, I guess. Yeah. Is the best way to just say what I was. Um, sorry, I, I just need a breath. Um, That's okay. You can take as much time as you want. <laughs> and also, you know, don't. Don't be afraid if, if it gets emotional and you need a second, that's okay. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I went into the room and, um, the doctor that like head doctor there came in her, her name is Michelle Morgan. She saved my life. Um, <laughs> and, um, sorry, I'll, I'll get it's there. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. This stuff is important to to share. 
it is. Um, and it's all, it's all fine. So, um, so she, you know, she asked me about my symptoms. She took my blood pressure. Um, she's my, I don't remember what the numbers were, but my blood pressure was off the roof. So she knew at that point that I, um, was preeclamptic and, uh, that's really, all that means is you have a high blood pressure. The, the pre part of it is that, you know, if you don't treat it, you could get eclampsia, which is seizures. Um, mm. and, and so, you know, she's like, okay, you get high blood pressure. What are the other symptoms? And, you know, they took blood. She said, I want you to go over to the hospital. They drew the blood there. She said, I'm going to have a, a courier bring it over to the hospital. She said, this was about two o'clock in the afternoon. She said, um, I'm on call starting at six o'clock. So I'll meet you over there and you, you, you know, just go like get in. We had driven, get in your car and go. So we went, she kind of, she really didn't say anything else at that point. Um, and so we went to the hospital, they were waiting for me and I went into the triage room. Um, my husband tells me that they did an ultrasound at that point, but I don't remember that. Um, and oh, it was later. Oh, now he's telling me it was. Oh, okay. I guess my husband tells me it was later. <laughs> remember <laughs> when it happened. Um, Either way, you were so overwhelmed. You don't. Yeah, know I guess that's the point. Yeah. Um, and so I went into a triage room. Um, my sister came and we were just kind of all waiting for the blood test results. Um, and at about mm, seven, eight o'clock at night, um, they, they, I, yeah, like they, we didn't have the, the, oh yes, my husband's reminding me of this. They didn't have the results. They lost the blood, like the courier never get to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. So oh. it turns out I was laying there, you know, dying it turned out and they took my blood again um it was so so there's three levels of help syndrome um that have to do with the platelet count um one three being the most mild um and then two and one being the worst so your platelet count is supposed to be about 150,000 plus um whatever the per units is mm-hmm. um and my platelets were about 30,000. So that's wow. very solidly in the one as in the worst version mm-hmm. um, yeah, category. Um, so once they got my platelet count, the doctor came in and um, said, well, you, you're going to have a baby tonight. <sighs> and um I guess I, I guess I knew that that was going to be the case. Yeah. Um, But, and, and I did, I guess, you know, my brain knew that she was going to be okay. Um, And at at some point, you know, they said, we need your consent. And I, I just remember, you know, holding my stomach and saying it's too soon, you know, it's too soon. Um, And, you know, she said, I think, you know, we really, you know, you're in bad shape, you know, like in within 90 minutes, like, you know, you could have a seizure and, 
I know now that she meant like a grandma seizure, like, wow, that's it. So So did you know at this point, I'll let you breathe for a second. Yeah. Did you know at this point too, were you, did you know how intense it was for you or were you really still at this point just focused on her and nervous about her safety? Like, cause they, it didn't seem like they gave you, which is probably the best idea. It didn't seem like they gave you much of a warning as far as you're not healthy, (laughs) you know, and I'm sure they didn't want to tell you that on purpose. So did you have any inkling or no? I had no, I had no inkling, um, until that point. Um, and I should say as well, so help syndrome is cured by delivering the baby. That is how it it stops. That's it. Um, there's a small chance that you can have help after you deliver, which it turns out I did as well, but that's also even a, a more slim chance. Um, but delivery is how you cure it. And then it's a, a number of cocktail of things that they give you afterwards to get your body back to, and your liver back to where it needs to be. So, okay. but no, I didn't know or care, um, you know, what was going on with me at the time, but she said, I know it's too soon, but look, you're 30 weeks. The baby's going to be fine. I guess that's probably, you know, around the time they did the ultrasound baby was, they knew the baby was over two pounds, which is like greatly, um, increases the chances of certainly survival, but of even, you know, having any long-term, um, effects. Yeah. Um, so, you know, um, I knew that was what needed to happen. And I said, okay. And we said, okay. And literally, uh, you know, the curtains open, there was a whole team of doctors and anesthesiologists literally behind the curtain and ready to go. Yeah. And they just, I mean, they just really like attacked me. I had IVs everywhere. It was like, it was very rushed. (laughs) It was clearly um, urgent and that said, my doctor did everything right. And, you know, I, she just did everything right at the right time. And, um, I had to have a full blood transfusion, um, like whole body, whatever that means. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but yeah, you know, like a full transfusion of platelets. Um, they gave me a shot of course of steroids to that helps the baby's lungs. Um, ideally you'd give it 24 hours or so, like before a C-section. Um, and, but they didn't, they couldn't wait. So they just gave it to me anyway. It gets in the blood system a little bit. Um, and they wheeled me off and really that was it. It was, it was so fast. And, um, I, I just remember <laughs> like being rolled down the hallway into surgery and I like yelled to my husband, to have somebody go get the dog because I have a dog at home. Oh. <laughs> it wasn't coming home. <laughs> oh, that's so precious that that's what was on your mind. Yeah, yeah. I said, I said, someone has to go get Derby. Um, oh. So, and yes. now, can I just interrupt you for a second? Since if he doesn't want to, that's okay. But since your husband is there, can you just ask him to just you can relay what he was thinking about? So, uh, no, he wasn't prepared. Yeah. My husband's a preparer. He wants you to know a preparer. Yes. He's an organized, you know, not spontaneous. 
But this is something yeah. he couldn't prepare for. Or control. Yes. Right. Um, so but does that mean he was losing his shit? <laughs> uh, he was, he says, and has said, you know, he says right now that he was playing out the scenarios, which at this point was, you know, we had just gotten married. Okay. Like five right. weeks before or whatever. Um, you know, one is, you know, she dies, meaning me and I have this baby. Right. And which it's, you know, I don't want to say that like he didn't want, but right. He's got two kids. Like I really wanted this baby. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it's, um, you know, this baby and I'm not going to have my wife, you know, and scenario two is the baby dies and, you know, Shane is okay. Um, and then of course the third is, you know, medically speaking, all of this could be totally fine, you know? Um, so he was really playing out those three scenarios, um, in his head and also telling at that point, you know, our family, um, who, my family doesn't live here. My family's in Buffalo. My sister does live in Manhattan. She was there the whole time. Um, and his family, um, my in-laws are all in Long Island. So, uh, they had made their way to the hospital at that point, although, um, I didn't know that. And, um, my best friend Scott was on his way to, um, from Long Island, which I, I didn't know, but, um, mm, that's great. So, yeah. So, you know, I, I wheeled, I, I was wheeled into surgery and I will, I will say, I mean, I'm really the sort of the opposite of a religious person. Um, although I grew up Catholic and, um, you know, I prayed, uh, <laughs> like I, you know, really <laughs> just didn't know what else to do. Um, yeah. and there was really wonderful nurses in there and they were like, you know, the whole time, you know, you're going to be fine. This is okay. You know, we know what we're doing. You're going to be fine, oh. you know, and they really were wonderful. Um, and then I was out. I mean, really that whole thing I just said to you couldn't have been more than a half an hour from them saying, you know, you're going to have the baby. Like I said, they, their timetable was about 90 minutes until they thought I was going to bleed out. So they really, <laughs> there was no time to spare. Right. Um, so I had an emergency C-section. Um, they wheeled the baby out very soon afterwards. And my husband got to see her. Um, she breathed on her own. Um, oh, right away? Right away. Oh. Yeah. Um, and she uh, was in like the little incubator, um, to, you know, a uh, little box. Um, and he saw her and said, you know, she looked more sort of human than he thought she would look. Um, yeah. and that's a funny thing that hopefully I'll get to, we won't run out of time, but you no. know, tiny babies like actually look like babies, which is weird. Cause really they should be inside and that's what they look like inside. So yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Um, cause I saw mine the whole time. Right. And so it's yeah. weird. Um, but, uh, then I didn't come out for quite a while and he finally asked somebody and it turns out that they left like a piece of gauze inside of me while they were sewing me up like so fast. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and they do a scan like to see if they left any stuff in and it beeped. And so they had to open me back up. Oh my God. The gauze out. And, um, 
sew me back up. So I actually took longer in surgery than I should have. Um, but I came out around midnight. Um, and, and this was the same day that you had a, the two o'clock yes. appointment at the doctor's. Wow. Yes. Wow. Um, exactly. And, uh, mind you, I, I have, I have not one baby thing at home. Like I haven't have one prepared baby anything because I had really decided I wasn't going to like prepare for this baby until after my wedding. Right. I had just started to do that. I had a shower plan for December. I didn't have, I literally didn't have like a burp cloth. I had not oh. one, not one thing. Um, <laughs> I had just bought like, you know, a few hundred dollars of maternity clothes that I was really pumped to wear for the next like three months. <laughs> and I didn't even get to wear them all. They had like tags on them. I gave them away. Um, but, uh, yeah, so yeah, it was from two o'clock was the appointment and she was born at nine ish and I came out, yeah, about midnight, I think. Um, and so at that point, you know, my, my husband's whole family was there. Um, my husband, my sister, my best friend, um, we, uh, I was like in triage for a couple of days, even after that, because, uh, I just was bad at things, you know, I was just, I had a hard time recovering. Um, and so I guess this is where I'll maybe hopefully start talking about being a mom. So yeah, one of the interesting things that they do in the hospital um, that they don't tell you that they'll do is as soon as you have your baby, everyone starts calling you mom. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> it's really odd because you look behind you and you think, is my mom here? Like, yeah, mom. Exactly. And obviously they do that on purpose. It's a good thing that they do that because you know, you have to sort of start getting used to the fact that mom means you. Um, and so this started happening, you know, immediately, which was insane. Um, and they're, you know, they're calling me mom. And then, I mean, I literally am coming back from like death's door and they bring me a pump, like, like, a, bre like a breast pump, like a breast pump. Oh my God. And they're like, how, you know, <laughs> how do you feel about pumping? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, hi, Mrs. Kanza. Um, I hope you're feeling, you know, better, no pressure, but you know, if you can get some milk, the baby, you know, we'll, we'll run it up to the baby. Now I will say, so when I came out of surgery, my, my husband had gone up to the NICU to see the baby. He was able to go up and, and see her there. Um, and I couldn't for 24 hours. I wondered, okay, I was going to ask you that. So that is excruciating. Oh. And any mom that has a baby in the NICU will tell you that's probably really just like, it's very agonizing. It's like yeah. this thing is not inside of you anymore. You weren't ready to deal with it in the first place. Now you're super concerned and you can't, can't even see it. Plus you feel really like the worst you ever felt in your life. If you're me. Right. And, um, yeah, like, you know, the doctor said to my husband at some point, like, you know, she was in so much, she had to have been in so much pain. Like I would have put it at a 10. Wow. You know, like when they ask you one to 10, like, mm -hmm. you know, and I, it, it was, you know, it just, it's just all happened so fast. And 
although I wanted to see her, um, you know, I, I really did know that I needed to be better. Um, but they let me FaceTime. So like my husband took the face, you know, the phone and took it up there and. Oh my gosh. That must've been so emotional. It was. And I will tell you that when I said, when they put it on or when he put it on her and I, I think I said something like, Oh, hi baby or something. She reacted. Um, and you know, they say that, that they can hear your voice and they can recognize stuff. And I, that is absolutely true. Um, and she, she absolutely knew just my voice. Um, my gosh, had you named her at this point? Yeah. So yeah. Um, we, her name is Georgia. We had decided that beforehand, but we didn't tell anybody, um, until like we were keeping it a secret between us. Yeah. She was born. So, um, Yes, her name was Georgia, although in in the hospital they just call her they just call them baby girl and then your last name. Oh, okay. So they don't which is weird. Eventually Well, they probably also, you know, they might not know who you want to tell, so maybe they just leave that in your hands, you think? I don't know. I think it's just like hospital protocol, like the baby's bracelet and then your bracelet just says baby girl. And it was actually my maiden name at the time. Cause that's what was on like all my medical records. Cause I just got just married. Got married. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, um, but yeah, so, you know, she reacted immediately to my voice and I, I guess I'll just say, I really, although there, her time in the NICU was really, um, you know, just a, and all kinds of things experience. Um, I knew she was going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, I will say that I, you know, as soon as she, I knew that she kn- knew who I was and I just knew that we were going to be okay. And um, how long was she in there? So they tell you that she'll be there till her due date, which was 70 days at that point. Um, and she was actually only there for 35. Um, oh, that's good. She was, incredible um I will but I'm I'm sorry let me get back to so they wrote the pump the pump in oh yeah yeah I got excited and said you know you can get any out you know now mind you my body's not ready for this since like right it's like three months I'm not supposed to have this baby um and I had a really hard time with pumping. Um, I, you know, got little bits out and bless their hearts. They took that little bit and they put it in her IV every oh. single time. Um, but, you know, I had a lot of medication in me and I had a lot of, I mean, I, I just had nothing to me. Um, so I was in the hospital for five days. Um, I probably should have been in the hospital for two weeks, but that's mm-hmm. our country. And yeah, um, they discharged me. Um, you know, she, the day before she discharged, I got discharged. I was able to hold her. And so what that means in the NICU. So in the NICU, there's babies that are mostly premature and, um, for those who don't know, premature babies are born before 37 weeks. There's different levels. Um, and so 30 weeks is considered very premature, but mm-hmm. not extremely premature. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were babies that were smaller than her and younger than her there. Um, 
And then there's also babies who um, have various different physical or sickness, physical problems or sickness or illness um, that are full-term babies, but that when they were born had different issues that needed more attention. Right. Um, And the parents are allowed in the NICU. Um, Most of the time, that's all that's allowed. Um, This happened to be flu season. So for Mm. instance, siblings were not allowed in, which was terrible for our older kids um, who couldn't see her for a long time. Um, And there's a pumping room in the NICU where moms go to pump. And there's basically a chair. It's not terribly comfortable. It's like a hospital chair, you know, with blue plastic. And next to your baby's, um, I don't know what, I call it an incubator. It's probably not right, but yeah, the the little little bed it's in, (laughs) little uh, box. And there's a lot of wires. There's a lot of machines. There's a lot of beeping. There's a lot of babies coding at different times. There's a lot of supposed to relax and and stay positive and pump. (laughs) Yes, Um, there's a lot of scary things happening around you to babies. Um, and it's just, I mean, it became my normal. Um, and there were a lot of babies that in the end were much sicker than Georgia was. Um, and I really, uh, I mean, I just really experienced a lot with people, other moms who were there who I'm still in good touch with. And, um, I really just learned a lot. Um, about the nurses and how dedicated they are and the doctors there. Um, I mean, holding one and two and three pound babies, you know, just so they're held. Right. So I had done a lot of research at that point because I'm, that's who I am. Um, And so lying in my bed for days, I was reading all kinds of studies about premature babies and mothering and, um, I learned that it's called kangaroo care um, is really the best way to sort of nurture a premature baby, which is like skin to skin contact. Yeah. Which they tell you to do with your newborn baby too, um, who's like full term, you know, um, and it's helps them regulate their heartbeat and temperature. And basically for premature babies, it's as close as they can get to inside of you. Exactly. You can do So, um, I dedicated myself to doing that eight hours a day, um, for as long as it was going to take. So you literally were just sitting next to her every day for basically 35 days. You mean? Exactly. Um, Oh my God, Shana. Yeah. I mean, you know, the snapshot is I was, I was, um, released from the hospital. Two days later, I was back in the hospital because I had had another, episode of of help syndrome which Mm. again like I said is pretty rare but um happened to me and so I was back in with her which um made it a little bit easier for those couple of days um but and I think it's it's probably time here that I acknowledge that acknowledge my privilege because it's part of life and my life is that I was able to afford to sublet an apartment in the city um, 
while I needed to be there for her and not uh, commute back and forth. And again, my, my privilege to have the doctors I did in the hospital that I delivered in, which many people don't. So um, yeah. it really was a product of all of that, that I was able to sort of survive this the way we did. Um, so I rented an apartment, sublet an apartment there. Um, and yeah, so I, I, and I also pumped what I could every two hours of my life for four months. Um, and so when your baby's in the NICU, like you don't take them home. Right. So (laughs) how do you go home? Right. So, but although you you probably want and need a break, but it's like, how do you leave and sleep at night? Yeah. How do you, it's, um, you know, it's really hard like every day. And I, I will, you sleep with your phone next to your head because they'll call you if something happens to them, um, in the night. Um, and you can call them 24 hours a day and just ask how they're doing. And certainly some moms did that every single night. Um, I, I didn't, I, you know, I knew that she was in good hands when she was there. Um, and after a couple of weeks, um, we realized that, you know, she was just small. She wasn't sick and she wasn't, you know, she didn't need surgeries and things like that. She just needed um, to grow. Yeah. And a little extra TLC in time. (laughs) Yeah. And so for me, I was really, I was getting up every two hours anyway in the night to pump. And I felt like that's, what I could do for her. Um, that's the best I could do is to, you know, hold her eight hours a day. I sang to her and read her books and, um, talked so she could hear my voice and, uh, pumped every two hours. Um, they'll let you change their tiny diapers (laughs) and, um, give them little baths. Um, and you have to take a lot of wires, um, you know, you have to hold a lot of wires with your baby in the NICU. You have to, um, you know, try not to pull anything out. It's scary at first. Um, and then you just learn how to do it. (laughs) And so, yeah, um, your baby has to not have, um, a different kind of coding for like 48 hours. Um, and has to be able to drink from a bottle um, and has to be over four pounds for you to be released in um, New York. So we had to wait for those things to happen. And um, at about 33 weeks, she started to breastfeed, which was pretty amazing. Um, I bet that was another emotional roller coaster. (laughs) Yeah, um, but a very cool thing. And what happens in the third trimester of pregnancy mostly is the brain development. Um, Mm -hmm. So basically when she was born, she had um, like no, no folds in her brain. It was smooth. Wow. And those folds develop in the third trimester. Um, And my biggest concern obviously um, was that, um, And, 
you know, just the fact that she was in an overstimulating atmosphere, you know, while her brain was developing. Right. Like, would it be too much for her brain to manage? Yeah. And it was and it is. And that's what you get with preemies, mostly. Um, There's just no way around that. Um, So she... um, she had uh, one half of her brain was swollen um, in the end. And they're very concerned about that because it's like, um, you know, sometimes called like water on the brain and sometimes they have to like go in and drain it. Sometimes it could mean really big complications. Um, And so we were concerned about that. Um, But one day, Uh, she, you know, she hit four pounds and it was like December 20 something. Um, and the nurse looked at me and said, you want to take her home for Christmas? Oh oh my God. Uh, and I said, uh, no, she's (laughs) supposed to be here for a long time still. What are you talking about? Um, she's still you know, she was drinking from a bottle. She was, um, uh, but she was also like being IV fed, um, because really they just want to grow your baby. So they stuff them as much as they can. Yeah. Um, and you know, she really just hadn't coded in like a day and, you know, I said, no, I don't want to take her home. Because even so, a day, you're like, that's not enough. I mean, I would want like a solid brick of time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Block of time, yes. Um, Yeah, you know, it's, um, and the the nurse looked at me and she said, Shana, you can take care of your baby. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think I knew that. I knew that. And I had been there every day. And for whatever reason, I I will acknowledge again, my privilege. I had a a job that just said, go, don't worry about it. You know, just go. Um, And I was able to be there every day. Most people aren't, you know, moms have other kids. They have jobs that they unfortunately have to go back to too soon they have other responsibilities, you know, um, there were other moms there every day, but not a lot. Um, you know, and I really, at that point, although I was scared, like I did know that I knew how to do what these nurses were doing. Right. Um, Deep down. And you also had been watching them for so long. So every day. Yes. And, you know, doctors do rounds in the NICU to all the babies. And I would hear a lot of things, wrong with a lot of babies. Um, and you know, for every day for over a month, they were saying to me, nothing's wrong with her. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I said, okay, I like, you know, we have to buy a car seat. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I should have finally have this shower. (laughs) So I basically just hit click on my Amazon entire baby shower list, wish list, and, you know, had it delivered. Um, And, you know, my, my husband had been going back and forth from the hospital to our house um, 
because again, we have two older kids and they're here and he was going back and forth. And I mean, he really just was so exhausted. This was welcome to have us all in the win one place, you know, as well. Um, So we got the car seat and we packed up our apartment in the city and the dog and the car and we drove her home um December 23rd at night oh my um, god cool and had her yeah so we had her home for Christmas so she was four pounds four pounds three ounces then um still five weeks before her due date you know um so things worked out with her health and her brain and you know she was monitored for closely for about a year after that um and was you know premature babies have like a different timetable for milestones um for obviously growth um and so you just kind of add the time on you know that they should be doing things from how early they were born so you know she was 10 weeks early so theoretically she would be doing everything 10 weeks after kind of yes exactly and um and so that's how they measure and they stop doing that at about two when they tend to catch up to Mm. um you know full-term babies so she's three and a half now um and the swelling in her brain cleared up very quickly on its own um and she has some sensory issues, I think, as a result of her prematurity. Right. Like you were saying in the NICU there being a little too much. Yeah. I think that's, you know, they're still doing a lot of research and studies on why those things happen, but it's, it doesn't take a lot of rocket science, I think, to tell you why those things happen. I mean, it's lights and beeps and sounds and, you know, over touching so much touching and, um, so many individual, you know, I mean, if we could have enough money in a hospital to have every single child in an individual room, you know, maybe that would benefit where you could control the light and control the people coming in, but you know, it's just not feasible. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's the kind of thing where the lights need to be bright so that they can see exactly what, you know, if there's discoloration or whatever else, you know? Um, so, uh, yeah. So the story ends happily. I will tell you that she, her personality that she had when she was in the NICU is exactly the personality that she has as a little girl. Really? She is not, you know, she's going to do it herself. <laughs> she's going to do it in her own time. And, you know, she's tiny. Um, she's very small. She's like in the first percentile um, for everything. And she could care less. so uh yeah I mean it's a happy ending I can't have any more kids um because that is likely to happen again right I was gonna ask you about that because I read that but that sounds about right yeah I mean they don't really know because it's pretty new and they're doing research on second and third babies um after you have help um but uh it's just the risk that I don't want to take. Well, we don't want to take. Um, So yeah, I mean, that's, you know, so that's it for me. And that happened my whole story. (laughs) Oh my God. How amazing is that? And 
I think it's interesting that you said that about her personality because to me, listening to your story, it just, it sounds exactly like you, you know? (laughs) And I don't think that she could have been any other way, you know, because you weren't going to let anything stop you, you know, and you were going to do everything that you could to make things happen. And that, you know, that sounds like her. I mean, look how strong you were going through a 10 on the scale of one to 10 of pain, you know, and you were just like, not even thinking about that. And, you know, it seems like that's the way she is too. And that doesn't really surprise me. (laughs) Yeah, she's, um, she definitely has my strong will, I I would say. (laughs) We've already gone head to head on that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, someday when, uh, when she's a teenager, and she's, you know, pushing back, you can say you can listen to this episode and see what I did for you for It's true. It's true. Um, it's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's just, again, like one of those things that they don't tell you about. I think, exactly. um, you know, you and I talked just a minute about the show, This Is Us and the storyline in the NICU. And I think, you know, I read a lot of articles about that and how, you know, broad awareness and people just don't really know what that means and what that is. And, I actually, I know a lot of people whose babies were even full term who had to spend some time in the NICU for various reasons. Um, Do you feel like that show too? I mean, I love that show. Do you think that show portrayed it correctly? I mean, of course, there's so much more that can go on, but for the most part? Um, I, I admit I couldn't watch it, so I didn't, oh, I didn't okay. watch it, but I, I, I like read about it, the episodes, um, I, and I watched the show up to that, up to that season, but, um, then I didn't. And, but I'm told really that, um, you know, it did do a pretty good job. Um, I'll just give you for reference, like size wise, cause I know there's a lot of, you could tell how small the baby was in those shows. And yeah. so when they do the feet prints on your birth certificate, um, my husband has a picture of his thumb next to her foot and it is the size of his thumbprint. Wow. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. So, I mean, you know, it's, oh, we're talking about a tiny, 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 tiny. Yeah. And you know, um, a baby that size like has, um, the fur all over the body. Um, I read about that too. And so, um, she had no facial hair whatsoever, but she did have hair on her head. She had fingernails Mm. Um, I watched her eyelashes grow one by one. Um, and you know, that her eyebrows, I literally watched them grow on her face, um, in the hospital. And I watched that furry part go away and, um, premature babies have issues with their joints because they're not all bundled up in the tummy. They're literally sprawled out like a frog. Yeah. Um, and so in part of what I would do with her every day is like bend her little knees and bend her little elbows. And, um, that turned out to be well worth it because she didn't have any problems with her joints and things. Oh, that's great. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's really incredible, you know, that they're inside of you and they really are super functioning 
and like, you know, they can even function a lot on their own when they're inside of you, that whole third, third trimester. More than you ever really even think yes. about. Yeah. Yes. And so, you know, if anyone who's ever listening to this has, you know, to have a baby early, they're, you know, they're going to be okay. If it's, you know, yeah. my, if it's that stage, if it's 30 weeks or 28 weeks, even 26 weeks, even and later, um, you know, it's going to be okay. I, I can't stress that enough. The medicine is unbelievable. And um, it's, you know, your baby will be okay. Yeah. Well, and kind of leading into that, you can maybe start in the preemie world, but with preemies and then with people dealing with this rare disease, I'm, I'm sorry, would it be considered a rare disease or rare symptom? It's a disease, I guess. It's a syndrome, syndrome. whatever that yeah. is. So, yeah. or even with this rare syndrome, what are some, you mentioned a couple things to keep in mind, but what are some advice and what are things, some things that you would want to tell people to keep in mind? Um, I guess the first thing about just um, having pregnancy complications is uh, call your doctor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the truth is that I'm glad in the end that I didn't call earlier because really I'm glad I just kept that baby inside of me as long as I did because every day is really worth a million bucks at that point. Um, but at the same time, I mean, if they were saying that you only had 90 minutes, if you yeah. had waited even one more day, it could have been deadly for you. That's right. I think I probably played the odds to, you know, whatever right. that is, too quick or whatever, yeah. <laughs> whatever that is. Too close. Um, too close, yes. I, um, you know, I probably, you should call your doctor. I, I think that's the first point of advice. Um, I would have gone, you know, the doctor would have said, come in. And if they would have taken my blood pressure, number one, you would have seen that there was reason for concern. Yeah. Um you know, I think you should have your blood pressure probably monitored through pregnancy more often than we do, just generally. Like even go to CVS and have your blood pressure taken. Right. Get one of those little machines, do it yourself yes. maybe. And now, of course, we had a machine afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Um, and my husband made me do it every day for, you know, I don't know how long. Uh, but it's a good thing to know because it's a good indicator of a lot of other things that could be going wrong. So you know, if you don't feel right, take your blood pressure or, um, and or call your doctor. Cause I think, um, you can kind of get ahead of things that way. Absolutely. A lot of times, um, preeclampsia is extremely common, um, just on its own. And usually what they do is they admit you into the hospital and they will give you some steroids and they'll try to calm you down. But a lot of times you have to be on bed rest for a bit when you have preeclampsia. Mm. Um, it's, you know, it itself is serious, um, and much more common than help syndrome, but, uh, you know, so I think that's the biggest advice. Just, you know, your body, <laughs> you, yeah. really, you know, your body. Don't try to tough it out at that stage. You know, it's like, just, yeah. just Give, go, just get the help. Yeah. Go to, go to the doctor. Um, and then, you know, with preemies, uh, so I'm, I'm involved now with the March of Dimes, which is, you know, a great organization and we raise money every year for, um, for them. There's a lot of advances in medicine with premature babies that is going on right now. A lot of, um, 
advances in prenatal care. Uh, again, I acknowledging, you know, my privilege, there's a lot of women who do not get prenatal care or good prenatal care mm-hmm. in our country. The mortality, the female, you know, mother mortality rate is higher than any other developed country in the world. It's wow. disgusting. Um, truly it's, um, embarrassing. It's, you know, there's no excuse for it. It's, they've done a bunch of studies about women's pain. I don't know if you've caught any of those, but that doctors like really don't acknowledge women's pain as much as men's pain. Mm -hmm. And interesting. It's that same thing, um, when you're pregnant because nobody wants a whiny woman. It's (laughs) true. Yeah. And, And, um, so prenatal care is just huge, it's, you know, in order to try to avoid a premature birth. And then, like I said, if your baby is certainly over two pounds, you know, older than even 26 weeks at this point, um, they're, and if you're at a good hospital with a good NICU, that baby's going to be okay. Yeah. I was, I have very good friends, moms um, whose babies were in the NICU that had multiple surgeries while they were there um, before they were two and three and four pounds. I mean, the science is unbelievable. Um, So really it's, uh, the baby's going to be okay. You know, it's like the best thing that I can say about premature, you know, they have, even since mine was born, you know, even like Carter's has a whole a series of clothes, like a whole. Just for preemies? Her size. Yeah. Oh, and really that's neat. And so, and they, they're smart about it. They have ties instead of snaps so that you can get them over the wires in mm. the hospital and you don't have wow. to put it over their head. And it's, it's really come a long way just in a couple of years. So there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of like mainstream products that can help when your baby's in the NICU. Like for instance, like I just said, those clothes, those onesies that have ties instead of snaps, it really does make you feel more like a mom and not like you're in some bizarro Um, If you can just change your baby's diaper, put a onesie on, feed her with the bottle. And if you're there in the NICU during the day, they'll really, they'll let you do all of that. Um, so including the, what did you call it? Kangaroo care? Yeah. yeah, Kangaroo care. Um, or sometimes they call it skin to skin. So, I mean, I was to the point a couple of weeks in where they knew I could just take her out of, um, the little box, um, and whenever I wanted and just put her in my chest. Now, a lot of times, you know, the nurses will help you with that. And at first they helped me with that. Um, but it, you know, at some point they knew that I was taught how to do it correctly, you know, and so I would literally just get there, I would feed her, I would take her out and just put her literally my shirt, just open my t shirt up and put her inside my shirt, and she would mostly just sleep um, all day. <laughs> mm-hmm. and- and really, that is the best thing. They, you know, they have like professional cuddlers that go into NICUs and hold babies. And oh my goodness, I feel um, like I need that job. <laughs> yeah. Although I feel like I would maybe get too emotional. Yeah, but my I mean, husband would say that I would get too emotional. <laughs> yeah, but you know, like I said, a lot of moms can't go right for a lot of different reasons, and 
it, it really does matter. Um, so the, you know, to the extent that you can be there with your, with your baby in the NICU, it does really matter. Um, and it, you know, I think it really, it literally grows your baby. <laughs> so, uh, I think it, it, it really, it's a scary thing. No, you know, your doctors don't talk to you about it while you're pregnant. And it's like, I know you've had in other episodes about, you know, talking about miscarriages and I know we're talking about that more now these days and you really should just be talking more about all the possibilities. So people are educated because this can happen for a million different reasons. You can deliver preterm and doesn't have to be as dramatic as my story. Um, you know, but I think if you're educated about it, it really takes some of the fear out of it. Um, and, you know, I, I really, I would encourage people to research the NICU where you're planning to deliver because you could deliver, like I said, totally full term. And I have a friend, I have a NICU you know, to. yeah, had like a, you know, issue with her baby's lungs full term and, you know, had to go in the NICU for, it was like three weeks, Wow. you know, and she happened to be at a hospital in New York City where they're all like that, but that's not how the rest of the world is or even country or even Long Island. So um, I think it's a really, it's important. It's part of preparing as a mother um, or it should be in your pregnancy to, to know those things. Um, yeah, that's so important. It's definitely something that when that time comes for me, I will absolutely do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's just make, it just takes some of this thing out if you know, what you're dealing with. Yeah. Holy moly. I mean, I just applaud you. What an unbelievable story. <laughs> yeah. Oh <laughs> so one of my favorite things to do, and I think um, like we talked about earlier, maybe if Georgia at some point is a teenager and she's you know, rebelling. You can play her this episode. And one of my favorite questions to ask is flashing way into the future when she is 18. What is something that you want her to know or you want to tell her now? Um, you know, for her first birthday, I actually had everyone who came write her a note uh, and I put them in a box to give her for her 18th birthday. Oh, what a cool idea. Um, so, and I was emotional because there's older grandparents and stuff who, you know, are, don't think they'll be here in 18 years. Yeah. Um, so my note to her, which is the same thing I would say to her today, is a little bit of what I said before. Um, like, I just know she's going to be okay no matter what. Um, and you know, even when she was two pounds, she was okay. Um, at three pounds, she was okay. And, you know, she is always going to be okay. I know that, you know, going to college, she's going to be okay. Um, if she's gone through, you know, developing her entire brain and nervous system, you know, outside of the world when she should have been inside, I think I just know she's going to be fine. 
Well, and I think the biggest part of that is not only did she do that outside of the world instead of inside of you, but she did it on your chest and in your arms. And I think that's really, really wonderful and really special. Um, and I know that she's going to appreciate all that you did. And uh, wow. I just, oof, I just applaud you. And thank you so much for being so vulnerable and open on a story that I know isn't easy to um, relive. But I think it's important, as you said, to just bring these these things to light and to, I hope that, you know, nobody listening goes through something quite so intense, but just to be prepared and thinking about it. And the most important too is like you said, just to know that these people do this for a living. This is their career and their job is to, you know, take care of your child and of you. And they did that. And I'm going to have to go research Mount Sinai and sign up. <laughs> but uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I would recommend, I will, you know, you talk to me about if I wanted to say anyone's name, my, my gynecologist in the city is OBGYN West side. They're on the upper West side. I've sent other friends there. Um, I mean, they literally saved my life and they saved my child. So I, you know, I can't recommend them enough. And all of the doctors in their practice I saw and all helped me in the hospital. Um, so, you know, for what that's worth, they, it, you know, your life could be in your doctor's hands. So you Absolutely. really, you really want to trust that. Yeah. Well, if you're in the New York area, check that out, but <laughs> goodness gracious, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, I'm really, really grateful and, and pass the word along to your husband. Thank him for sharing his input and for being so strong too. Um, Will do. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. I'm glad to tell and thanks for having me. Of course. <laughs> The Pumping Podcast is a podcast for moms and by moms, and I am your host. I'm not yet a mama. I'm a mama in training. If you're enjoying what you hear, please take a minute on iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review so more mamas out there can find us and listen along while they're pumping or breastfeeding. If you'd like to be a guest and share your story, email me at thepumpingpodcast at gmail.com. You can also email me if you have any questions for any of my guests, and I will reach out, get those answers, and relay them to you in a follow-up episode. A big thank you to my friends Ashley and Kelly for the use of their baby's laughter, and my dear friend Erin Adams for writing my gorgeous theme song. You can follow along on Instagram at The Pumping Podcast, and go ahead and share the podcast with a mama you know. Until next time, keep on pumping. Why?